0: This is episode one in a new series called organized superstition this series is based on a book i've been meaning to write some of this material i have decided to put into audio format though audio format will limit many things when it comes to having a full understanding of this content i believe you will find even with this limit that your mind will expand beyond what you've thought possible And by the end of the series, you will have gained an unshakable ability to pierce through veils of fantasy and manipulation with great ease. The goal of this series will be to restore the mind of man, to regain control of the faculties by discarding the inconsequential minutiae that has chained humanity for thousands of years into a designed labyrinth of obscurity. The decorations of all things childish and fantasy-driven will be removed that hinder the mind from thinking clearly, and the proper structures of thought and reason will be restored. As I systematically dismantle this labyrinth, you will find how far away all have been kept from their inheritance provided by creation. This inheritance stolen and controlled with a concerted effort by rulers across nations, working together within their own versions of the same script and blueprint by a priest class spanning back thousands of years, later to become the forms you see today as governments, judiciaries, academia, the sciences, the arts, and everything else under the sun. The sun being humanity's all-seeing eye in the Abrahamic mythology called the seed of the lord. The breakdown of the minds embedded false notions starts here. There was no king born of a virgin through immaculate conception as the childish and silly fable taken for fact goes. There was no man named Noah said to have lived over 900 years, who rode out a deluge of the earth in an ark. Noah being in the Hebrew, noch, meaning rest. That word being Latin, nox, in Greek, nix. All of these are only personifications of night, obscurity, darkness, gloom, water, and what's called ether, or aether, these of which give birth to light. There was no man named Moses who parted the Red Sea, or bopped a rock with his staff to create a fountain of water. There was no Adam and Eve in a garden with four rivers and a talking snake, munching apples. And as that be the truth, there was no fall of man, and from that very point, all of the rest downstream is fiction. This writing style and fable is called anthropomorphizing, that is, depicting abstract concepts in human form, along with other material agents used as vessels for the narrator's imagination. When these fables and superstitions are relied on as historic fact, claims of lineage and regional territory by a people, where all of humanity's supposed lines derive, with people living entire lives under this haze of superstition, regardless of how absurd these are, and how moronic the priests, rabbis, and imams are with them, all of reality and society becomes subservient to these priest classes who use this tool of deception to build all-encompassing systems for governing populations. The fundamental misunderstanding of what type of information is being relayed is the root of all ills in societies, and has been for countless millennia, first taking the form of organized superstition, then as the mind fractures over time in these infantile imaginations, it starts forming false notions of creation, life itself, and most importantly, the concept of time, with all of these compounding generation over generation. This degenerated state of mind has enveloped everything in its path, and moved past the label of religion long ago, to embed lunacy in all matters of being. The product of mass-organized superstition takes many forms, and is not limited to religion anymore. But that is where it all starts. At the root of despotism is the cult. As I flesh this series out, there is one concept that ought to stay in the forefront of one's mind, and that is the concept of time. I will first explain where this concept comes from, which will be expanded throughout this series. The foundation of time, as it is used today, can be relegated to three concepts developed long ago. decatemeries, deacons, and duodecimal, which I will only show in brief, but will expand on it as I go along in this series, as the concept of time is the number one tool used to control societies and manipulate perception. Decatemeries is a system attributed to the ancient Chaldeans, and by all accounts was the foundation of how time is fractionated today. Though this is not strictly true concerning the origin of this system, it can be easily traced as far back as the Chaldeans. A decadamary is an astrological division of the zodiac into tenths of signs, each being three degrees, and each decatemery divided into sixty minutes, and each minute into sixty seconds, the assumed degree or decadamary. There are 120 decatemeries completing the zodiac, giving the 360 degrees, that is 120 times the 3 degree sections. These minutes of angle being 3600 seconds for the full revolution, where these seconds were called years by the ancients, their word being ser, or sare, then misinterpreted as solar years, or terrestrial years, by the academics. Keep in the forefront of your mind that false interpretation by academics is what leads to false histories when it concerns time and duration of nations and there producing false antiquity. Deacons are part of the Decatemery system. In a sign or constellation a new deacon appears helically every ten days, that is, every ten days a new decanic star group reappears in the eastern sky at dawn right before the sun rises. The ancient Greeks called these decani tenths, and assign 36 of these calling them divinities, properly translated into reality as divisions, this making the 360-degree zodiacal circle. The duodecimal system is a reckoning by 12s and powers of 12. These three concepts solidify into the word time as it is used today. The seconds, minutes, hour, day, week, year, etc. But as you see, this is all about angles of degree and travel over distance best referred to as the compass of the heavens, the planetary bodies and stars of what is called in Latin "caelum" or "caelus," meaning the vault of heaven, the signs in the heavens. "caelum" being the climates, zones, regions, etc., for any and all creations within the heavenly vault. In later episodes, I will show that the advancements in what is called the nine disciplines, as explained by Marcus Terentius Varro, that is, Marcus Terentius Varro, with his nine books on these disciplines being the foundation of the seven liberal arts of today, in poetic renderings, known as the nine muses, were not a progression from east to west, or for that matter, the origin of advanced peoples was never rooted in the east, then distributed out from there, as is the same with all of humanity's other advancements, but a near 180 degrees from that, as it is the exact same today language, the arts, architecture, sciences, mechanics, etc., as today are all rooted in the western regions of the northern hemisphere. I bring it up at this point because a certain sequence of mastery within the nine disciplines has to be attained within a society before it can gain advanced capabilities, moving it from barbarism, and with that, a certain unity of the people has to occur in order to saturate the population with newfound skills, and that unity with those capabilities were not present in the area referred to as Asia at that time, that being the Middle East over into India, as is the same today, where those sequence of events are still not present. Mind you, this is very cursory, but in a following episode this will be realized. This basic understanding of what it takes to progress as a society should be kept in mind when reviewing history, supposed origin, and the progression of people, as the observable evidence, almost without exception, does not match what is in our history books. Before I proceed to an example of how this system is used, I will correct some foundational errors prevalent today as it concerns terms used in time, and also explain in brief how time is measured. The word world, as understood today, is not used in the correct sense, but has been reformed to become cognate with the word earth, World means the great circle, as in the Latin mundus, or orbis, that being the order of the universe, the perceived concave vault of heaven, the great circular paths of the bodies. It is the revolutions within this circle by the sun that makes the solar year, the twelve months, the four seasons, night and day, etc. It is a celestial word, not a terrestrial word. The word year means a ring, a circle, any ring or any circle used to determine time over distance and primarily applies to orbits of planetary bodies or stars, but the term is not limited to those. In short, anything concerning the performance of a revolution. Examples of this are, a year of Mars's completion of its circuit is equal to two solar years, Earth time, that being terrestrial time. A year of Jupiter's is 12 solar years. A year of Saturn's is 31 solar years. Many of the characters in these organized superstitions take on a planetary god, a star, the sun or moon, or a demon as an epithet, and as they become rendered by the scribe or poet's hand for their part in the play, they take on the calculation of time as the gods would, from the celestial world. They count time in accordance with the epithet attached to a human being, or as a god would count time, i.e., now one year of man becomes thirty-one years, so on and so forth. So as I mentioned previously in the decatemeries, along with the duodecimal systems, they take celestial calculations and multiply them with terrestrial years, often adding two, three, or four zeros or more to the end of what we would consider one year, that being 365 days. That now becomes viewed as 100 or 1,000 years or more, earth time. And the mangled minds of academics, priests, rabbis, and the multitude throughout time have applied all of these fictitious numbers to history, counting them as historic fact, confounding them with solar years, our 365-day cycle. Cicero, or Hikero, speaking of this prevalent decimal method of dating among the ancient peoples, says that the Babylonians pretended an antiquity of their people going back 470,000 years. Today, these misinterpretations of time lead to false formulas used in calculation software for digital tools used to date archaeological finds and many other things, and also lead theory and philosophy into futile endeavors, rarely to progress past infantile states. Here's an example. A supposed 10,500-year-old wicker basket found in a cave in Israel this year, 2021. Do you understand how ridiculous this is, and how depraved a society must be to believe such nonsense? 10,500-year-old wicker in a cave, a material of very thin willow branches or reeds. And these frauds of history will no doubt keep making it into the history books with the tens of thousands of other frauds as people stay ignorant to these fractured states of time. Now, concerning the word daimon, or demon. Also used in poetry as genius or genius, which means tutelary deity, just to show the decorations that happen over time when superstition takes place of reason and the ignorant or unscrupulous become in charge of teaching. Daimon is derived from the ancient Greek diomai, meaning to divide or distribute, where the daimon is the portion of that divide. They coming from dio and Di, meaning the points in the divisions of light, as dio, is the literal meaning division of light. Mon, meaning single, as in separated from. This is concerning the quantity in the distribution of light, the lux or lucis. The terms referencing demons are used in many references. One being the morning star called Lucifer or Lucifer, an English cognate of dio is day this also being the division of light, and can be definite or indefinite in meaning, which I will pick up as I go along in this series. So, all of this together, the word time, coming from the Greek daimon, topically being from Proto-Indo-European daimon, with another cognate being tide, which also means to divide, tide being the rise and fall of the sea, and time being the temporal equivalent. To get a more rounded and necessary view of how the concept of time works, the understanding of the ecliptic will be needed. The ecliptic is observed as the route of the sun over a solar year. In the ecliptic path of the sun, when it is perceived to be parallel with the Earth's equator at its ascension, at this position the season is known to be the beginning of spring. This crossing happens around March 21st today, and is called the spring equinox, or vernal equinox. Equinox, meaning equal night, which infers the same for day. The first point of equal light occurs after the winter solstice on the sun's ascension towards the vernal equinox. That point called Aries, the ram, and marked with a ram's horn. Solstice is from the Latin solstidium, meaning a standing still of the sun, because at the rising and setting points it appears to reverse direction at the solstice points, and the sun is said to pause there, this pause said to be for three days and three nights. This is personified in the fables of Hercules, Christ, Jonah, and many more remaining three days and three nights in the lower regions of the winter solstice before being spit back out, that being around the 25th of December. Put a pin in that for when I explain the dates at the solstices. All of this is just allegorical for the day being cast forth by the night, or the nox, as the sun is nocturnal at this position, meaning belonging to the night, the infernal. And, by the way, this is also the story of the Scandinavians' Little Red Riding Hood, where these northern and northwestern fables will be discussed at a later date. Back to the vernal equinox. This Passover at the Vernal Equity Point is celebrated in Christendom with the festival called Easter, or Pascha, or Pascai, meaning Passover, and is where the Christian starts using the term Lamb of God, Easter being a compound word of East and Aster, Aster being in both Latin and Greek meaning star, this one being the Eastern Star, the East Aster. That is, the rising, luminary sun, the Christian's savior. Anciently, this was considered the opening of the new year, when all was clarified, or glorified. This occurrence happening the first sun's day, being Sunday, after the full moon of March. There are two of these crossings, called crucifixions in the Christian fable, that happen every year. One at the autumnal equinox, on the sun's descent, the end of September, or Michaelmas Day, and one at the Vernal, or Spring Equinox, on its ascent around Easter, the more famous one being on its descent for the Christian, which will be borne out in a later episode. When this system is realized, all else becomes easy to determine. When you see a priest, bishop, cardinal, whatever, raise a crucifix or cross bearing east to the light shining through their church, it will become clear what these silly, superstitious ceremonies are. That Christian cross borrowed from the cross of Serapis out of the Temple of Serapis. Serapis being in the Coptic language, Usarapi, rendered in English as Osiris Apis. More times than not, the performers of these ceremonial acts in churches haven't a clue what they are doing but are just following the manual given to them through various theological institutions and traditions, while the patrons and pews watch these childish productions in a cloud of ignorance. The two equinoctial planes, in conjunction with the two solstice planes, creates the four quadrants of the sun's path, these planes being the summer solstice, winter solstice, vernal equinox, and autumnal equinox, and these marked with four royal stars. These marker stars used to tell time for the four seasons are Alderbaran, the bullseye of Aries, the ox of April, the spring quarter, Regulus, Leo's heart, the lion of July, the summer quarter, Antares, the scorpion or eagle of October, the autumn quarter, Formalhot, in the whale's mouth of January, the winter quarter. Formalhot is Arabic for whale. It is otherwise known as Piscis Austrini, the southern fish. This southern whale constellation plays a prominent role in Abrahamic mythology with a character named Jonah, whose spin-off character is Simon Bar-Jonah in the New Testament, where John the Baptist, John being Jonas in January, that is, January, make that Januarius, also makes an appearance. The name Januarius, coming from the ancient Roman mythology, the god Janus, the two-faced, looking forward and backwards, god of beginnings and passageways. The epithet of John is used as a marker for antediluvian and post time. These inundations and deluges occurring every year and their time dependent on geographic location. Before the name of John, or Jonas, was used to personify this rushing water, its name was Owen, or Owens, Owenus, the fishman of the ancient Sumerians, same as the female part Uan, or Uana, being also pronounced Wana, that becoming a compound Owen that that is January in English today, and again Januarius, in Latin, that coming from the god Janus. Note that the concept of associating star points in relation to the sun is the first step in fractionating time as we know it today. To understand what is in a word or name would fall outside of the scope for this episode. But know that first names, surnames, titles, etc. today are compounds of phrases. Your supposed Christian name is a compound of ancient pagan phrases used to worship and relay what god, that being what planet or star, was your tutelary deity, all dependent on the time of birth, your horoscope, or nativity. And even this practice was at a point in time that degenerated from a previous understanding about the formation of names. As you will find with titles of various gods, divinities, locales, or any given name to subjects or objects within these fables, if you turn the initial capital letter into lowercase and treat the word properly, With proper philological reasoning, in accordance with the subject matter, not as a title, it becomes clear that many of these are literal depictions of time, degrees, geometric placement in the heavens, later to become geographic locations on earth, among other things, all within the word itself when the superstition, epithet, and poetic decoration is removed. Back to the four seasons, those being spring, summer, winter, and fall, or autumn, or in Christian mythology, known as Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as represented in Ezekiel's vision as the four-headed cherubim. These epithets, or titles, are not of beasts or men, but are the four cardinal quarters chosen for seasons within the procession of the two equinoctial planes in conjunction with the two solstice planes, producing the idea of the four quarters. Concerning the four gospel narrators, see the 8th century Harley Golden Gospels at the British Library online at bl.uk under manuscripts. At the beginning of each gospel will be their name with an image of their epithet. Title Matthew has the angel or man. Title Mark has the lion. Luke has the bull or ox. John has the eagle. This is Ezekiel's cherubim. Without extending this ecliptic and season stuff too much, One more observance should be made. The first degree of the sun's ascension happens at the winter solstice around the 22nd of December, and this is the point in time where the days begin to get longer. The light of day increases until the sun compasses to the summer solstice of June around the 22nd, where at this point the days begin to get shorter. For the example of this fractionating time as represented in fable, I will use the Virgin Mary. The name Mary is the Latin mare, meaning the sea, or Maria. Mare, in the adjective, is marina, or marinae, that in English being marine, with Virgo being virgin, or virgo being virgin. I will use the first verse of the Roman Catholic hymn Ave Maristella as the introduction to this Virgin Mary. Ave Maristella, de Matarauma, Atque Semper Virgo, Felix Caeli Porta. The Catholic translation has it as, Hail, O Star of the Ocean, God's O Mother Blessed, Ever-Sinless Virgin, Gate of Heavenly Rest. The proper translation, as I have rendered it, Hail, Star of the Sea, God's Nourishing Mother, Perpetually the Virgin, the Fruitful Heavenly Passage. That is, Hail, star of the sea, Ave Maristela, God's nourishing mother, Dei matar Alma, Or perhaps we should use the Greek Alma, which means spring, as in God's spring mother or vernal mother, or when used in the medical sense, means pulsation palpitation of the embryo or the heart. Next line, Perpetually the virgin, Atque Virgo. Next line, The fruitful heavenly passage, Felix Kaili Porta. Porta meaning port of entry or exit, so bearing fruit from the heavenly passage. Now that you have the true and proper rendering, who is this Virgin Mary who bore a king, a saviour through immaculate conception, a baby that grown men worshipped and gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh to, proclaiming this little baby who was just born in a dirty stable to be king of the world? The Virgin Mary is Virgo, or Virgo, the constellation. And within the Virgin, there are three prominent positions, all pertaining to giving life, one depicted as human birth through the watery passage and all, one bearing the luminary sun, and one bearing abundance in agriculture, the fruits of labor. The division of the first deacon represents the Virgin, or Virgo, sitting while suckling a newborn with an ear of corn called a spica, in one hand, sometimes it's shown with a speaker in both. This is the time when the sun being at the winter solstice, the 25th of December, nine months after Lady Day for the Catholics, three Persian men called Magi, or in the English version, called Wise Men, see a star in the east, and that star being the Vindemiatrix or Vindemiatrix of the Virgo constellation. The sun following behind that star is rising helically above the horizon and observed as resting in the bosom of the Virgo-Virgin Mary constellation after being born anew, generally typified as being on the horizon over a body of water. At this time, the three Magi wise men perform the act of writing the horoscope for the new sun, otherwise called its nativity. Why is this called a new sun? That is the point when the sun gives longer days after overcoming the winter solstice. This star, Vindemiatrix, is also a marker star for the vintage season. That is, the cultivation of the vine, the grape gathering and harvesting. Using its location in and around the months of August and September, vineyards would time duties in their fields, the end of September being the last days in the process of winemaking that is, right after the sun's crucifixion at the autumnal equinox. Vindemiatrix, the first part being Vindemia, from Latin, Vinum, plus Demo, meaning grape harvest, the vintage. The Latin, Vinum, meaning wine, and Demo, meaning take away from, withdraw, extract. The Latin ending Trix is from Trias, that is, Triad is used to denote female properties, but also it is an ending for words denoting a geometric function, in particular a line. A fixed line used in the description of a curve, i.e. the directrix, shared in the parabola and hyperbola of an ellipse. You'll see the final product of lines will look like an egg with a yolk when searching directrix at Wiktionary. Looking for inspiration, poets have also extracted the word matrix from windemiatrix to color their plays with. Matrix meaning uterus, womb, but more pointedly, it means the source or origin, the medium where something is developed, with the word mater in Latin meaning mother, the vessel for creation. Note this is where the movie Matrix got its name and why they depict the pods carrying the humans the way they do as in they are like grapes on a vine. This is the fabled origin of the degenerate practice of drinking the blood of Christ and eating the body of Christ, which I will fully flesh out in a later episode. This practice of pretending to drink blood and eat human flesh is a grotesque corruption of pagan festivals that were performed after the harvest at the end of September, celebrating the new abundance of calories coming from the fruit of the fields and the fruit of the vine the blood of Christ being nothing but the juice of the grape imbued with the vitality and heating effect that accompanies alcohol being from the luminary sun. Also note, in original Aryan fables, Aryan being Persian and Indian, the egg is used to represent all of creation. Now, if it bears out that geometric functions used today and ascribed as modern, with the supposed discoverer's name attached in all, turn out to be either forgeries or very ancient mathematics not generally privy to the public, or just a coincidental rediscovery, I'll leave that judgment up to you, but we'll say the former is more plausible than the latter. There is much more in these words that will come at a later date. This is allegorical, and an extremely poor poetical rendering of a natural phenomena by this Abrahamic spin-off of a much, much older version of this Virgin Mary. We also have the marine Venus, rising out of the sea on a seashell. The famous painting by Sandro Botticelli, or the wall painting at Pompeii on what is called the House of Venus in the Shell, in the Conchiglia. This Mary is also the rebranded and reused character from the Old Testament, the one they call Miriam, the sister of the characters Moses and Aaron, at the moment in the story when they lead up the children of Israel out of the Red Sea. Then later, the chorus sings... In grief the Holy Mother stood, weeping near the Holy Wood, because at that time of the chorus, the Holy Wood is the symbol of the sun's crucifixion at the autumnal equinox. In this scene, she is there for the second equinox, the fall and descent of the luminary. This character Mary is the mistress of the sea, and is Mira, pronounced by the New York Jew as Moira, mother of Adonis in Roman and Greek mythology. Adon, being Phoenician for Lord, from where the Hebrew gets its Adonai, their meaning being judge or rule. Everything in the Abrahamic being a forgery from real, long-established cultures dating back countless millennia, all having positive traceability, where the Shemetic forgeries in history, there is no trace whatsoever, and that will be proven throughout this series. That what most have taken for history was but a fabrication. To pique an interest, and at the expense of time, I will do a breakdown of a famous title, that title being Hercules, that same ancient title seized by a peculiar people and rendered into the Shemitic tongue as Jerusalem. The fanciful mythology has the headliner from the fable of Hercules, the Greek Heracles, or Heracles, as being the son of Jupiter, or Zeus, and Alcmena. The God of Strength the twelve labors of Hercules, etc. This is obviously a description within allegorical fable and has nothing to do with the compound word Hercules. So, what does generic mythology say this title means? They say it's from the compound of Hera and Cleos, meaning glory of Hera. Now this is still fantasy, a children's tale, as no word could ever mean such nonsense when rooted out and its radical forms extracted. Let's take the first part, Hera. In its generic form, it's used as a Greek title. Pythagoras has it as the name for the number nine. Aristotle has it as the planet Venus. It's also cognate with Eros, meaning hero. Pindar having that as the fourth age of men, between Daimones and Anthropoi. Hera is from Ir, a contraction of Er. Er meaning spring. Some of these are interesting to look at. Some could be and have been used to create abstract ideas in poetry, but this is still in the realm of childish fantasy. The first part, Hera, blends with the second part, Kleos. And this is where academics have a real problem in understanding how words were formed in ancient times. This word properly rendered as gyros in the Greek, gyros in the Latin, In English, pronounced gyro, as in gyroscope. The meaning of this word being a circular course, a ring. And it is what our word, year, comes from. Some can make an argument that it could be hieros, meaning holy, divine power, hollowed. But this is semantics in the fantasy, as holy, etc., is just decoration of gyros. But keep in mind that hieros erroneously called holy, is in fact the first part of the word hieroglyph for later, as the word hieroglyph is derived from the word Hercules, or vice versa. The er, or spring, from earlier can play a role, but this is outside of the scope for this episode, and gets into performing angles and degrees back to the word or name by position of the letters themselves in conjunction with the luminary positions. For the second part, Cleos the culis part in Latin, generically being glory or fame, the ending itself being clace or clis in hieraclis, meaning latch, clevis or key. But the more clear meaning is found in its Latin form of clausula, meaning a close, conclusion, the close of a period. And its use is in storytelling or the performance of plays or the tragedy, that being the Tragos Odi, in Greek, meaning the ode or incantation of the goat, or in the way of the goat. Called in Christendom, the gospel, which is the god spell, that being the goat spell, the incantations of the goat. This particular tragedy, beginning at the winter solstice, in the sign of the goat, Capricorn. The Christian borrowing this script right for their Savior's birth on the 25th of December. The performers of tragedies on stage were called upokrite, that is, hypocrites, the ones acting under a mask, under a false persona, these being today the distinguished adjudicators, which is what upocrite means. If you want to understand many parts in the Christian's fable, you just need to read Aeschylus's Prometheus Bound, written over 500 years before the Christian era, from which they plagiarized many of their scenes for their Gospels. As this is getting lengthy, and I couldn't possibly explain in this episode all of the ins and outs of philology, and the breaking apart a word to its radicals, I'm just going to give you the ending of Hercules, which in Latin is caelum or caelus, a word you heard before, meaning vault of heaven, with koilos, or koilos, in Greek meaning hollow, concave, a curved canopy, a void. Also note the Latin culus meaning posterior anus being kindred to coilos, but with the word culus when looked at properly, before its predominant use to reference the anus, it means ring, and more properly the closing of a ring. So performed in the Latin Urus cailus is Hercules. Iurus kailus means the course of signs, signs being glyphs, in the vault of heaven. And within Hercules, you will find Helios, that being the sun. The whole fable of Hercules, being the compass of the sun through the twelve months, being the twelve signs, called the twelve labors of Hercules. With this episode running long, and the breakdown of the word Jerusalem I want to give the needed attention to, so it can be apprehended, I am going to move this word to the next episode. But we'll say, the root construction of the word Jerusalem is not of Shemetic origin, as is the same with their fables and history told in Abrahamic superstitions, which is apparent in the second part named Salem or Shalem in Jerusalem, this being formed from Sal, that being the Roman Sol, which means the luminary sun. These false Shemetic histories and fables are wholly borrowed from more ancient and established civilizations, then pawned off with false origin primarily derived through the Aryan. again, Aryan properly being Persian and Indian cultures, their second influence being from the Roman and Greek. The word Jerusalem is from Hercules, is from hieroglyph, and understand that the Hebrew did not have adjectives in their language, not as we understand adjectives until more recent times during the next iteration of their incomplete language when it took on the corruption of Masoretic points, as this lack of expression plays a role when looking at this particular incomplete Shemetic dialect. I will also pick up in the next episode the word hieroglyph, noting now that the end kailus in Jurus kailus, its verb or action is kailare, meaning to make raised work, to engrave, its cognate being glyph. And all of ancient man's engravings, reliefs, and architecture are of one thing and one thing only, the happenings of the seasons and the vault of heaven. The gods of heaven themselves, in fable, being thought to have made the raised work and engravings of the earth, that would be mountains, hills, rivers, etc., where man imitates the gods in his arts. To first understand a word at its roots, one must understand a single concept can, will, and has passed through hundreds of dialects over thousands of years, and at each step takes on a morphology from that dialect, a cause and effect, ever increasing the distance from the original root language's sense, purpose, and meaning. Its constructions are degenerated over time, and also blended in poetry through decorative Additional meanings, these decorations later taken to be literal by ignorant priests and their established academia institutions. Let's get ready to close out this lengthy episode with a number. There are many recurring numbers in these fables, these numbers considered sacred by the childish musings of these script writers, especially the ones who amuse themselves with the practice of Kabbalah. I will briefly show one of these numbers in action which I will be calling the sevens. The sevens, seven planetary bodies, sun, moon, and the five planets, with their seven metals, the seven seals, and the lamb who opens that sealed book, this lamb depicted with seven horns and seven eyes, the seven churches of the apocalypse, the seven days of the week, corresponding to the seven planets, the seven golden candlesticks in the temple that had seven enclosures, the seven sisters, that being the Pleiades constellation. The Christian Bible, just being a more modern rewrite of paganism, reference Job 38.31. Canst thou bind the sweet influences of the Pleiades, or loose the bands of Orion? Canst thou bring forth the twelve signs in the seasons, or canst thou guide Arcturus with his sons? Arcturus, otherwise known as the Boots constellation, the ox driver and the herdsman, being the husbandman constellation who accompanies the Virgo virgin Mary constellation, we also have the seven stories of the Tower of Babylon, each one consecrated to a planet, and beyond the seventh story was called the seed of God, with this being a reference to the sun, or in Christian mythology called the Lord, as was the belief of superstitions dating back countless millennia, a deity in the sun, the sun as its throne. Concerning this tower of Babylon, or erroneously called Babel, and to show the corruption from the Abrahamic books of superstition, once fable is turned to historic fact by the unscrupulous, the word Babel or Babel was falsified in translation from the root Bab Al or Bal Al, which means to confuse, where the correct root is Bab Il, Babel or Bab Ilu, which means the gate of God, not confusion. The Bible myth came from a Babylonian tower north of the Marduk temple, which in Babylonian was called Babelou, the gate of God. The corruption into Babel, to confuse, was a play on words, a simple turn of phrase for the myth-making of the fable in Genesis 11.9 that goes, And therefore the name thereof was called Babel, Because there the language of the whole earth was confounded, meaning confused, and from thence the Lord scattered them abroad upon the face of all countries. As I showed, there was no confusion of tongues. This is just one of countless hundreds of fabrications in Abrahamic superstitions. These false notions of history and geography have wreaked havoc upon the people and lands of the earth for countless centuries bringing injustice, cruelty, and death wherever truth is supplanted by these concerted efforts to warp the minds of man. Another one of the sevens, Jacob's ladder, a forgery of the sidereal ladder of seven gates from Aryan culture, souls ascending and descending from heaven, then above the seventh level being the seat of God. Of note, the center of the sun is considered to be the gateway for these souls entering and exiting earth. We also have the flute of seven pipes held by Pan, the lyre of seven strings touched by Apollo, the seven archangels of the Chaldeans, the seven archangels of the Jews, the seven mortal sins of the Egyptians, etc., etc. I could go on through the various religious branches of the Aryan, Shemetic, Asiatic, Borealis, Australis, African, Pacific, and of the Americas, but the point has been made that the number seven can be considered a sacred number in the various organized superstitions and I will, for the most part, keep the points to what is familiar to the majority, but will be expanding into these other geographic regions from time to time. Many can't fathom, and therefore believe it to be untrue, the thought that masses of people can believe in a lie, conduct their entire lives in accordance with lies, and those lies can persist for indefinite periods of time in the face of truth, that they are not susceptible to this, to the machinations of control over one's mind. I have just shown you that is not the case. To close this introductory episode out, I would like for people to understand the magnitude of the effect from these corruptions, And a good way of accomplishing that is to ask why the perception of time was reset for humanity, starting with the fiction of a man of flesh and bone, said to be the Son of God, said to have died on a cross, then to be resurrected, and so the timeline of humanity should be reset according to this ridiculous fable, and all that came before is to be counted in the negative, or backwards. How can the time we live by today be so corrupted with the notions of after death, or Anno Domini? year of the Lord, and before Christ, etc. The AD and BC, wholly based on fable, passed off as historic fact. While I strip the veil of this degenerate system based on organized superstition, I would like for all to bear in mind the cause and effect, the ramifications that manifest throughout humanity when false histories are used to create governments, law, policy, new nations, a redrawing of maps, All of these leading to perpetual wars and mass injustice. This all-encompassing system implemented at the end of a bloody sword by the priest class and their benefactor governments. Because when I get to the culmination of this series, it will be proven beyond any argument. The foundations will be set and immovable that the timelines and history as you know it today were all based on a fiction released thousands of years ago in a concerted effort to manipulate and control entire populations throughout Earth. Relegate your books of 1984, Brave New World, and all others you believe gave prophecy to the trash bin, because this was just a warm-up. We will be going much, much farther, and I will be taking you to the roots, the causes of what is binding humanity, and your mind will become an unstoppable force to see truth in all things, and restore the beauty of creation that has been hidden from you by the continued degeneracy sweeping across nations for thousands of years.